Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us in yet another overcast day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of unique perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Paul Hines, director and owner of Progress Windows, a company which specializes in the supplying and fitting of windows, doors, conservatories, and roof lines to domestic or commercial properties throughout the Midlands. Paul, hello. Yeah, hi. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming on the program today. Uh, now, uh, normally we'd go directly over to the subject of leadership, but considering the ongoing COVID-19 outbreak, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, how has this affected the way in which you run your business? Yeah, obviously it, it's massive, isn't it? It's, it's the biggest uh, single business challenge that I've ever known in, in business, and I've been around now for 20 or so years. So certainly I think it will be sort of almost pre-COVID and after COVID. So now we're in the in the middle of it. We're adapting quickly because we have to, um, and, it's, and it's, it's a massive impact on, on everybody and every business. We're in the home improvements industry, so obviously we have to be mindful of social distancing. It's obviously a problem. Uh, the pandemic is a problem and we don't want to be part of a problem. It's about working um, responsibly, working with clients as well to make sure that they understand the situation we're all in. Mm. And go from there, really. So the, the key thing is just to be pragmatic with it. You know, it, it's here. It's not going away. Don't bury your head in the sand. Tackle it head on. It's a challenge and get over it, basically. Now, do you feel uh, that this is going to have a significant impact on your business going forward, or do you feel that you'll be able to go back somewhat uh, to the way you were doing things before? Um, no, I think it's going to have an impact. I don't think we will go back to the way it was before um, wholly. Um, I think I think things will change. I don't know for the better or for the worse. I, I'm not really sure. We, we as a business will, will, like I say, meet that challenge head on and, and, and not be too worried by it because it is what it is. But um, certainly the way we do business now, we're, we're very much a face-to-face company. I'm a face-to-face guy. I like meeting people. I'm fairly sociable and approachable. But that will probably change a little bit. And the fact that we'll do a lot more quotations online, we'll do it a lot more over video calls, we'll do a lot more email correspondences. So um, that changes the way we do things, really. The nature of fitting windows into somebody's house, that can't really change because, <laughs> obviously, um, we have to go to the house and do that. But, um, but yeah, no. As a business, it's it's the challenge. It's the challenge to 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 meet the problem, if that makes sense. And we're doing that. Now um, we should move on to the subject of leadership. I always like to start this yeah. part of the conversation off by asking a same simple question: What does the word leader mean to you? Oh, good question. Uh, very good question. I, I think it's as much as anything. It's it's about responsibility really i suppose that the, the leader has the responsibility of the overall project in their hands to a certain extent it's down to that person people uh, whoever that may be to inspire motivate coordinate and plan the rest of the group to try and meet the, the goal that you may have and the responsibility therefore to make that goal so obviously we're not a, a massive company as such but we've got a number of people that all have different roles to play and the leader is about those people together to work towards a, a common goal, um, which is what we, we try and do every day. What is the uh, way in which you describe your personal leadership style? Um, uh, yeah, good, again, good question. I, I'm not, uh, our company specializes in, in fitting of windows and doors and conservatories and patients' office. So that's what we do as a company. 
Now, interestingly, as a leader, I, I, as a business owner, I've never done any of those things. So I've never fitted a window, really. I've never fitted a, a door, I've never fitted a conservatory. But that's not where my, my skills are, really. But my skills are um, within the company and, and running the business day to day, knowing the numbers, trying, you know, making sure that uh, what, what comes in goes back out again, and there's obviously a little bit of profit at the end of it, making sure that everyone is is, is motivated as uh, as best they can. So I tend to be a people-type person. I, I do enjoy speaking to people. I, I enjoy the meetings that we have. Um, I don't try and lock myself away. I don't necessarily like the, the, the term open-door policy because as a business owner, you do need that bit of time every now and then to be mm. on your own and, and work on the business. But it, it, it's public servicing business, and I do have an open-door policy. I, I can be contacted really at any time really so that's that's how i do things it's not necessarily right or wrong but it's just everybody's different and, and people find success in different ways so that's how i found success in the past and hopefully in the future now uh, let's talk a bit about uh, your background um did you have any role models at the beginning of your career who shaped the way that you view leadership good question and um, i went to university so so that helped me along a little bit that gave me the, the power to to learn, I think, and that's important in business. You never, you never know everything. Obviously, you're always learning. So my initial and first sort of person I'd look up to was uh, my dad. To be fair, uh, his name is Derek, and he ran a window business before I did. And I, I loved that. I thought that was a, a fantastic thing to do to, to run your business and to be in charge and to, to be in, in control of your own destiny. I, I thought it was fantastic. So I always looked up to my dad, and I always wanted to, to emulate what he did. So obviously, that was a big decision and big influence on my decision to be a business owner one day. So, yeah, I don't think without my dad, I would have done what I've done. But um, certainly with my dad's influence in my early years, it, it led me down the path that I'm on now. Uh, and I find myself a business owner, um, yeah, and, and enjoying it and loving it, to be honest with you. Now, um, unfortunately, our time together is uh, beginning to wane. But before I let you go, I'd like to go through a few quick-fire questions. If I was to ask you to objectively identify uh, great leaders in business today, uh, what would be some of the names that come to mind? I'm a, I'm a big football fan, and the, uh, the current chairman of Leicester Football Club, uh, Michael Tock, is a fantastic leader, and certainly made our club a massive success, culminating in winning the Premier League, which for a team of Leicester City's stature in the sport is, is unheard of, to be truthful. So, wow, what fantastic leadership qualities that one must have to have able to, uh, to to achieve those successes. Now, um, if I was to ask you to objectively identify the greatest leader, living or dead, who would that be? Oh, very, very tough. Very, very tough. Wow. Um, I'd, I'd looked, I'd looked more business than political, um, or or monarchy or anything like that. Uh, certainly, uh, certainly some of the the, the big business in the world now, I mean, to, to get their companies to, to where they where they are with sort of challenges is unbelievable. Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, you know, those sort of people, it, it's fantastic what they've achieved because things change so quickly in this world nowadays. Yet those people manage to to keep their businesses at the pinnacle of, of their of their industries for so long. So that is that is an unbelievable trait, and, and well done to those guys. And what does the next twelve months have in store for Progress Windows? It's it's 
it's slightly more unknown now than it was. I'm a planner, so I've always had things planned. I've had a 10-year plan, a 5-year plan, a 1-year plan, and a 90-day plan. Um, and they've all changed. <laughs> Very quickly, they all changed. So um, it's getting back to basics a little bit, making sure we do the basic things right. We don't quite know. We've got ideas. We don't quite know how COVID is going to affect business. So it's important to get your bread and butter sorted, get your day-to-day running of the business, what, what you know and do, get that absolutely spot on. That's what we'll do for the next 12 months. Probably won't be too much expansion necessarily, but certainly knowing where we're at, doing what we do right, and going from there. Well, Paul, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I have to have you back on when things get back to a sense of normalcy. Paul, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. It's been a pleasure. That was Paul Hines, director and owner of Progress Windows. And now, if you haven't heard it before, it's Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final. Sir Jeff Hurst, uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, uh, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago. 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and... um, yes, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over the years, I guess he would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with, he'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood and, of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that calibre can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's, that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager like, like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peters? 
I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players I did. Again, again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved. And what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only... Uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he, how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident, I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships, and you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership and that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved with my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that, but obviously... Uh, after uh, at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man, I'm sure, when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, naturally it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you it can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and of course your life but yep. in that era I was involved for six or seven years he it was quite clear who was the boss he was quite very very strict probably at a time it may be overly strict but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now but he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people and he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group part of a team it is important that if you've got a group of people and that's in any walk of life they're all singing off the same hymn suit and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned and I've taken on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in a group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious things I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now, that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? 
Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad and surprising they were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it, only a few games before. I was I was playing, and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be, be playing in, in the team. But uh, in a couple of friendly games, more friendly games, before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway, I think, and Denmark. Mm. I didn't. I played two of the four games, and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay. He started off with Jimmy Green and Roger So mm. I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage I like I was going to play, and didn't start because of just. A lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position, and somewhat fortuitously, I only got back into it because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Lee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think Mm. I was just happy to be, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, Not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out. Mm. So I never really felt people talk about pressure a lot, and it's there, and people, players talk about people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure, pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that I'll show you. He got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Uh, we had some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players. Um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm I'm not making this up. I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realised there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both, but they're too long to talk about both questions. 
Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the the other ridiculous question I get asked: Did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course, I jokingly say, "Yes, I was just about to to shoot to score the goal, and I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while, and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch.' So that's uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows." <laughs> I joke and make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited, but just had a, look, had a glance around, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um... Oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you too. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Lines, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely, but I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we. Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you, you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay. So I was uh, doing a, a at a dinner in the Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I had a, somebody at the back who, who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> What a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like I that. Just, but then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make again, laugh that if you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff, I think um, you, you were a young man when see, this happened, when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by, by quick, one way or the other, people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of the fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably... Yeah, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest that I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Uh, perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitches. People must realise that that's, that has an influence. How you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact. to younger players coming in into the team latterly, um, yeah. 
and and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader? Um, well, a play, current player, as you mean. Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding, I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is, is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's neat a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course. In, in football terms today, uh, e- easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson, who's just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example, but Klopp's only done this for a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they, they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen, we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think? Could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood. Yeah, the answer is straightforward. The answer is yes. Um, good they, <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with um, and I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England. Who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate, and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that, many. yeah, so many, and that's why we we're successful because we had so many. Um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team, I think that that was outstanding, and uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And going back from an earlier earlier question for me, the um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days. Every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on with, all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish 
after the 66, that reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't, and- when, it, when you put those, those questions and how you categorize those, I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We have some great players. We have some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word the word is team. The word is the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes you know, together, everyone achieves more, and that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking if if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life. What would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, uh, single-mindedness, dedication, dedication to the job. Um, thinking about that, that that role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. But if you, I don't think you can switch off. When you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level, you may, you know, have a, way, have a couple of weeks holiday. But I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's. You're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.